Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Matthew chapter 16. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, great, powerful God, your kingdom is great. It's an amazing thing. We should be amazed and love your kingdom. Desire that more than anything. We know it is worth it. And that we should be willing to suffer for it. We pray that we would understand that as we read. That we would grow closer to you and value your things above everything. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. And when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So he answered and said to them, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, because the sky is red. And early in the morning, Today it will be stormy weather, because the sky is red and darkening. You know how to evaluate correctly the appearance of the sky, but you are not able to evaluate the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, and a sign will not be given to it, except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. And when the disciples arrived at the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out for and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they were discussing this among themselves, saying, It is because we did not take bread. But knowing this, Jesus said, Why are you discussing among yourselves that you did not take bread, you of little faith? Do you not yet understand? Or do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you took up? How do you not understand that I did not speak to you about bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. Then he commanded the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. But he turned around and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a cause for stumbling to me, because you are not intent on the things of God, but on the things of people. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life on account of me will find it. For what will a person be benefited if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what will a person give in exchange for his life? 
For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and at that time he will reward each one according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those standing here who will never experience death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. We saw at the end of chapter 15 that it was probably the Gentiles that Jesus was feeding and healing. And so the beginning of this chapter is a direct contrast. The Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, come to Jesus asking for a sign. And Jesus refuses. He says they will get the sign of Jonah and that's it. The Pharisees and Sadducees were the two ruling classes We could say they were the conservatives and the liberals. You could sort of compare them to any two-party system. Specifically, the Pharisees were very, very careful about the law. The Sadducees were a bit more connected with Rome, less connected with the law, but typically they had more power. So often they didn't see eye to eye and get along, but here we see them coming together to Jesus to ask him this question. We've talked about the sign of Jonah before. I believe it was in chapter 12 when Jesus mentioned that. Also the idea of calling them an adulterous generation, not necessarily saying that each one of the people was committing adultery, but by their turning away from God, they were committing spiritual adultery. He talks to the disciples about the leaven or yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We talked about that a little bit before when he told the parable of the yeast Typically in the Bible, yeast means sin. And so he's talking about the teaching, the sinful teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees that they need to be careful of. Then Jesus takes them to Caesarea Philippi and asks them, who is the Son of Man? And they give the various answers that the people have been giving. But then Jesus asks, who do you say? And Peter answers, the Christ, Son of the living God. Christ means the anointed one, also Messiah in Hebrew. This is a great confession. This is the one that the Jews had been looking forward to all this time. And Jesus approves of what Peter says and tells him it wasn't out of his own mind that he came up with that, but it had been revealed to him. And he says that Peter will be called Peter instead of just Simon And he makes this play on words. So Peter in the Greek, I believe, is Petros, which is similar to the word Petra, rock. And from what I read, it works the same way in Aramaic, which is probably what Jesus was speaking at the time. He also makes a play, it appears, on this gates of Hades. He's talking about his kingdom. And then there's these other opposing gates, the gates of Hades, death. And possibly he's referring to something there in Caesarea Philippi known as the gates of Hades. In any case, the point he's trying to make is that his kingdom will stand and men's kingdoms will not. Immediately following this, Jesus starts to tell his disciples how he's going to be killed and suffer. And Peter speaks up again, but this time poorly, saying, that will never happen to you. And Jesus rebukes Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. It makes us think back to the temptation of Jesus when the devil offered him all the kingdoms of the earth. All he had to do was worship Satan. And so what Peter is saying is very similar. You don't have to go through the suffering. 
And Jesus says, oh, yes, I do. And that saying otherwise is coming from Satan. Then Jesus goes on to say, his followers must take up their cross. So not only will Jesus suffer, but his followers are going to suffer. Everyone who wants to follow Jesus will suffer for it. But, he says, it's going to be worth it. And it won't really be that long, he says. So, yes, there's suffering, but it's absolutely worth it. And now for a deeper dive. There has been much discussion about Peter's confession and what Jesus meant by talking about the rock that he was building on and the keys to the kingdom. So, what does this mean? The Roman Catholic Church has said that this is when Peter was made the first pope, and that all of the following popes inherit their authority from Peter. We should be careful not to overreact to that idea and diminish what Jesus said to Peter. Remember, Jesus is trying to make an important point, so if we're trying to diminish what Jesus says, we're going to lose something. Jesus was actually speaking to all twelve when he says the words about the keys to the kingdom. And I believe, really, the building on the rock applies to all the apostles, too, in a way. I don't think that Jesus was saying that Peter alone is the foundation of the church. Peter was very important. He was a leader among the apostles. But all of the apostles were an important foundation that Jesus was using to build his kingdom. But we should not put any too great emphasis Realizing, of course, what Peter did immediately after this, sticking his foot in his mouth, we cannot rely on humans, but Jesus used humans in a very great way. In fact, Revelation 21 talks about this same idea. Revelation 21, verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and lofty mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, that has the glory of God, Its radiance is like a precious stone, something like a jasper stone, shining like crystal. It has a great and high wall that has twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written on the gates, which are of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city has twelve foundations, and on them are twelve names, of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.